We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Valuable player, Giannis Antetokounmpo. Giannis trailing the lob. Oh. Giannis Antetokounmpo. Two seconds. Middleton. Yes! Chris Middleton. Nice jumper. Got it. Giannis Antetokounmpo. Hey there. Welcome to the Eurostep, a Milwaukee Bucks podcast, proudly a part of the Eurostep Podcast Network and, of course, the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I am Ty Windish, one of your hosts. I am joined, as always, by the well-prepared, not just prepared, well-prepared Rohan Kadi as we sit down to preview the Bucks Eastern Conference Final Series. You know, Rohan, I, I fell asleep early last night. I have to assume this is against the Philadelphia 76ers, correct? There's no way that team would lose a Game 7 at home against the Atlanta Hawks without two wing players with another one hobbled, they, they couldn't have lost that game, could they? See, you would think that, Ty. Like, this is the number one seed. This is the guy, uh, this is the team who has, like, two defensive player of the year candidates, who has yeah. the MVP runner-up that made such a big deal about winning uh, in the regular season and getting that number one seed. You would think that they're going to just, you know, win a game seven at home against Trey Young and the Hawks, right? You would think. But actually... They lost. They lost that game at home. The Atlanta Hawks beat the Philadelphia 76ers on their home court. Philly fans were rightfully booing their team off the court and into the offseason. What a, I'm glad we, it's a good thing you're the well prepared one. Kid Gilchrist is getting all the slander in the <laughs> world, and it's just beautiful. I'm glad that you're well prepared. I I was not possibly ready for this development, although we both called Hawks in six, I think. I will say, the series. these are the conference finals we predicted. That's true. We we literally did. Oh, that's spicy. Hawks in yeah. six. We were a little off. Hawks in seven. But, man, that is – got to give credit to the Hawks, and I don't want anyone, myself and, and you, Rohan, included, to completely overlook this team. The Bucks still need to – win for the next seven games to go to the finals. It's not a done deal, but this is an opponent that is, has less proven talent than I think either of us expected. To Do see they though? Him. Like, are we, are we saying that Philly has proven talent? At least I mean, Atlanta's proving it. Fair. They made a conference finals. 
Philly hasn't. Fair. And Bede's never been to a conference finals. Simmons has never been to a conference finals. They've never been out of the second round in their careers. Atlanta's proving themselves. They have the more proven talent because they're proving it right now. Yeah, I mean, none of their players have ever come second in uh, MVP voting. or They don't even have an all-star. They don't even have an all- Did Philly have two this year or just one? Probably just one. I think they, I think it was just one. But uh, I think Atlanta's the first. <laughs> Atlanta's the first team since like the 84 Pacers to make the conference finals without an all-star. Oh, wow. It's just wild. I think they're going to have one next year based on all that they've done this postseason. But regardless, it, you said it well. I mean, this is the team that got there almost always deserves to be there. So that's true for the Bucks, who a lot of people are ignoring right now, talking about what could have, would have, should have been with Brooklyn. Same deal on the other end of the bracket. So Bucks fans should know more than anybody not to listen to some of these, you know, again, could have, would have, should have been narratives. The deserving but teams also, got this far. But also – Make fun of the Sixers. Yeah, I mean, that's yeah. – come on. I mean, the process, the process to get to the second round. I Jordan mean, had the uh, the process over results tweet queued up and ready to go right as soon as the game seven uh, buzzer sounded for oh, yeah. Atlanta's victory. It was just – it was perfect. I mean, like the Washington Wizards have gotten to the second round in recent – they didn't need – with John Wall and Brad Beal, they got to – they didn't need a process to do that. I – so not great. Not great if you give up multiple years of your franchise's relevance to the extent where the NBA has to get involved, too weak-willed to tell them no, and you fire your general manager, and then you burn, I don't even know how many top picks, and one of them has turned out well at this point, and now here you are. And Doc Rivers, who was vehemently said, no, no, ben, no issue with Ben Simmons. Can Ben Simmons be the point guard on a championship team? I don't know. Like, better question: Can Doc be the coach on a championship team anymore? Not I think according I, I, to I, Josh Smith, did you see Josh Smith's Instagram story? No, I didn't watch it. He he was just he was going all in, all in. He even threw a Mike Woodson shot in at the end. It was just beautiful. <laughs> Doc Rivers has a three forty some record in elimination games. I think as a head coach. worst in NBA history. That's like a very good player's batting average in the MLB. That's like a good Mike Trout year. He probably has a similar chance of getting on base against MLB pitching than Doc Rivers does of winning an elimination game in the playoffs. Like that's a that's a low. And have you seen MLB percentage. pitching? Like my it's good. They're good, and they're using freaking super glue to spin Not the ball. Long. Yeah, we'll see. Alleged. Um, Alleged. Let's talk about Bucks Hawks though. Um, we'll get more Sixers slander in. For the rest of our lives, really. I mean, this is I, not when, when, it be, when the Milwaukee offseason begins. We still yeah, got time. They're, they're, they're Philly's not, already started. Yeah, they they got a head start. They got to work on appeasing Seth Curry, one of their two best players. So they have a lot to do right now. Um, but Bucks Hawks, I think this is going to be a fascinating series. It's not the one we expected, uh, at least coming into the postseason. Coming into the postseason, it's not at this point. Maybe we expected it in the first round, but not now. Um, I think it's really interesting. So these teams played three times in the regular season. Uh, they rarely, they very rarely played at full health. And honestly, I think these teams are both a lot different at this point in their playoff runs than they were then. But some of those numbers are worth exploring. One that you tweeted earlier today at Arcadi Jr. If you're not following Rohan on Twitter, go ahead and fix that. But the the shot tracking data between the two point guards of this series, Trey Young of the Hawks, their best player, 
and Drew Holiday of the Bucks. Um, and I think this is going to be a crucial matchup in the series, no matter what happens. Like this might end up defining the series. And you've got the numbers from the regular season on how Trey performed when guarded by Drew, which obviously is, I think, the the logical place to start when looking at this series, that side of this matchup. Yeah. As you said, Trey Young, Atlanta's best player. He's been absolutely dominant during this postseason run. And he's really, like, if we're talking about players proving themselves, Trey Young is checking all of the boxes. Like, I'm, I'm glad you brought up earlier, given we, we, the slander is mostly joking. I mean, it's, it's correct slander. Don't get me wrong on that, but it's like, it's a joke. Yeah. The Atlanta Hawks are not a joke. They're not a joke whatsoever. Trey Young is a bona fide star in this league now. He is proving time and time again against any opponent that he belongs in these conversations of the best point guards in the league. He has answered every question. Oh, he's too small to be in the playoffs. Oh, he's too, like, he hunts assists. He's too much of a regular season uh, player in terms of drawing fouls to really matter in these situations. No, no, that's not true anymore. The thing is, uh, the Bucks uh, employ or have on their roster, same thing, I guess, if you're looking at it from a business They'll sense. be employing him for quite a while, barring uh, a roster, a, a, a sizable trade, but yes. yes. They have uh, probably the best point guard defender <laughs> in the NBA on their roster in Drew Holiday. Now, given, uh, if you listen to any of the podcasts during this postseason run, uh, you will have known that we are very critical of Drew Holiday's uh, run so far in the postseason. It's been very uh, Eric Bledsoe-esque is too far, I feel. We've talked about that. But there is something up with Drew Holiday, offensively at least. Defensively, he's it's all right. He's all right. Yeah. It's, it's not his best. It's not Pete Drew Holiday, but it's not like bad. So the stat you were alluding to earlier, uh, when Trey Young was defended by Drew Holiday during the regular season, again, three matchups, two matchups, actually, uh, Trey Young has shot a grand total of 0% from the field, uh, has drawn zero fouls, uh, has committed five turnovers and five assists, so a one to assist to turnover ratio. Drew has put Trey in absolute uh, hell prison. Shout out to Les. Yeah. Yeah, I think, and that makes sense intuitively. I mean, not entirely because Trey is so good, but Drew is super physical, right? Like he's imposing. And I think Trey is, his presence may be imposing, but physically not exactly. So that is the kind of just looking at, you know, body type here. Like uh, Drew is so much bigger. He should be able to prevent Trey from comfortably getting to his spots. And he's a good enough defender at least he has been in the regular season to do that without fouling. So certainly we don't expect Trey to shoot 0% when guarded by Chris Middleton, or excuse me, by Drew Holiday. But I do think that's where you can start to really make it hard for Atlanta to win this series is if Drew can just make it tough for him to score efficiently. And I mean, it's funny. They both, they matched uh, near like a bottom 10 performance, I think in a closeout game or something, Drew and Trey with their shooting in their respective game sevens. And obviously both teams still won. Trey was creating more for his teammates. Drew got his slack picked up by Giannis mostly and also Chris and a bunch of role players. But, you know, we've we've seen Trey be limited in efficiency in this postseason already. And it doesn't kill the Hawks. He can still create for others and there's other dangerous scorers on the roster. 
But I certainly think that's a battle that's going to be, I think, the first one you notice just because the ball is going to be in especially Trey's hands a lot. And I think it's going to dictate a lot of the series and how how well can we're going to look at it from the Bucks' perspective. Can Drew do defending Trey? And I think, you know, if you're the Bucks, you've already you have a series worth of proof that if you really need to, you can go into a fully defensive r- rotation that you don't put out any bad defenders. And I don't think they're going to do that against Atlanta, at least not to start. But I do think this is a team that does not have anyone as scary as Kevin Durant. You can afford to at least try Forbes and Portis. But if the Bucks have to, and I think certainly to close games for sure, they're going to offer no weak points. So then if Drew is able to limit Trey, I think you're really going to see the other players. It's not going to be easy for anyone else to step up in this game. I don't think Bogdan Bogdanovich, we'll see how he looks. He's dealing with some knee issues. I don't think he'll be as open as he was in that fourth quarter in the regular season where he torched Milwaukee. Hopefully not, at least. Hopefully is the key word here. You don't know what to expect from this Milwaukee team coming out of that Brooklyn series. My goodness. My goodness. Uh, I'm so glad that series is over, by the way. <laughs> I, just, I feel like a weight's been lifted. But yeah, you're right. Uh, also to do with Trey Young, like he hasn't dealt with a guy at the level of Drew Holiday, even in this postseason. Like if you look at that Knicks series, his defenders are like Alfred Payton, Derek Rose. Derek Rose was the big one. I actually want to talk about Derek Rose. Uh, he did deal with some Ben Simmons, um, so that's yes, a, a great yes. defender. But I think on the other end is where he hasn't dealt with anyone. And I think we've seen that can have a real impact on how good you are offensively if you're just getting you know demolished defensively and really put through the ringer. And I think that's where I actually – Early on, it's almost going to be more important for Drew to shine offensively. And he's got to attack that Trey Young matchup. And they might try to hide Trey somewhere else. We'll see who the Bucks start. We'll get into that later. But whether it's Drew or Chris, people, the Bucks need to seek out Trey Young through screens and actions and everything else. And if he's defending Drew straight up to start, then certainly through that. But you look at that Knicks series that you alluded to. Peyton doesn't play very much. Derek Rose scores 97 points in five games. Averages 19.4 points and five assists per game. Shoots 47% from the field, 47% from deep. He annihilated the Hawks. Like the only reason that series even got to the, the was it six games or five games? Was because I, five games was because Derrick Rose, like he was their offense. Like Randall was really bad. RJ Barrett and Alec Burks scored 14 each uh, per game. I know Burks had one really good game, I believe, but Rose was consistently their best player. And if 32-year-old Derek Rose can take advantage of Atlanta's perimeter defense and especially point guard defense, I think Drew has to. Like, if you want to shoot a couple threes here and there, sure, but this is a team where Drew needs to seek out Trey Young and take him to the basket and score over and over and over. And just like, don't let him be able to coast on that end. Cause he has to, Trey has to carry a lot of offensive burden, make him carry defensive burden too. I think that is really going to play into your hands as you try and defend this Atlanta team. If you're the bucks. Yeah. And that's why Atlanta has gotten away with so much of what they've been able to do this postseason. Like even in against Philly, like they've been able to play Trey young and Lou Williams at the same time because they have no one uh, like at least Philly, they had no one to attack them. No. Like they couldn't really do that against New York, but against Philly, it was viable because none of their guards really had any any offensive output aside from Seth Curry. 
So that's where you sort of get into like the, if you're the Bucks, you have to attack that right away. And that really lends itself into the starting lineup conversation, which I guess we can have right now. Yeah. I believe that the Bucks should, they shouldn't start small. They should stay big. They should start Drew, Chris, uh, and either Bobby or PJ along with uh, Giannis and Brooke. They have to because that gives no spot for Trey Young to hide whatsoever. But does so you're arguing against then basically Forbes or Pat? Yeah, is it really a hiding spot if he finds Forbes and the Bucks just like run a bunch of dribble handoffs and actions? Are with they Forbes? The thing is, you're assuming they're going to do that, which based on that Brooklyn series, we have no idea if they will or not. That's fair enough. I do think we saw the Bucks against Miami and late against Brooklyn execute a little bit more of a concentrated offense. I think. I mean, I think it's a fair criticism. Um, I also think just like trying to having Trey try to keep up with Forbes is in itself kind of a burden. Like it's it's no one. There's no one on the Bucks that. I, honestly, I think the biggest case for not starting PJ. Is I think that's probably the easiest hiding spot. That's for, what I was saying. Either Bobby, or, and it's probably going to have to be Bobby in that situation. And I, I can't really see Bud starting Bobby after DMPing him for three, four, whatever straight games. I could. It's possible. I, could. I guess. Yeah. I guess. Not quite to kid level of randomness, but we do see some questionable things that really don't. Not even questionable. It's like we've seen in the past, like out of nowhere. Yeah, like Pat Connaughton is a perfect example of this throughout the years. Like he goes from not playing whatsoever. To just all of a sudden he's in the rotation. Again. I guess it's maybe just a Pat Connaughton yeah. thing, but uh, <laughs> yeah, it might end it, up. It could apply. Pat. We we did see the one time non PJ started post Dante. It was Pat Connaughton. So uh, we will see um, uh, how I, it's going to be interesting. It wouldn't shock me if they just stuck with PJ. I think I would prefer a different look, but I don't. I, I like your idea of not giving Trey a place to hide. I think. Wherever they try to hide him, the Bucks need to make it as painful as possible. So they need to go back to the mindset they had during the Miami series, yeah. which is if you have poor defenders on the court, you just need to go attack, attack, attack. Like Brooklyn in this situation, Brooklyn was such a weird matchup and such a counter to what they did against Miami, is because ever since like it's it's weird, like Kyrie and Harden injuries sort of like played against Milwaukee and sort of their defensive schemes because when the players they started in their place, they just went bigger. And yeah. Milwaukee's like, oh, we can't we can't attack guards anymore. With Atlanta, you can do that again. And that's why they need to get back into that mindset. And that's good because they already have that game plan. Yeah, no, I think that's true. Um, yeah, it's tough. I mean, Portis starting to me, I don't know if I love it. I think I just like Portis as a bench player more. I think he has more to offer there. And I think I would prefer to do that, especially if you're looking at Atlanta, assuming like Gallo is one of their primary bench players. Like that seems like a matchup where if Portis is getting picked up by Gallo and those scant bench minutes, like that should be a point where the Bucks can take advantage of that. I mean, the Hawks can try on the other end, but I, I would, I'd pick Portis to hold up defensively more than, than Gallinari. Um, this Hawks team is just so small. Um, it will, I think we'll just talk about size in general a little bit more later. But I think I would like to see Forbes first. I do think there's less risk of him getting played off the floor. Although, I don't know. Maybe maybe there's not. I, I guess where would you hide Forbes on, on – I guess actually early, you know, make Bogdanovich prove he's good to go. 
start him on Bogdanovich? Is the fifth starter going to start on Bogdanovich no matter what almost? I don't think so. I think Chris takes the Bogdanovich matchup because he has in these previous series. Like he's taken the uh, Duncan Robinson matchup. He's taken the Joe Harris matchup. But wouldn't that be Herter more than Bogdanovich? They use Bogdanovich a little bit, I guess, because he's hurt now. And I guess it's weird. Atlanta has like two of these guys you really need to worry about. Yeah. But the bigger threat and the biggest upside potential for Atlanta is Bogdanovich because he is the better player. So you would have to, you just have to assume that he's ready to go in that sense because you can't take that risk. And that plays into the argument of like, uh, we, what we were talking about with Brooklyn, you can't let the axillary players get into a rhythm early. Yeah. Like, if you force them to, like prove themselves they could be ready to go and then you're already in the hole the more i look at this the more i wonder if starting pj actually is the the right move because i think you could just do so much defensively if drew guards trey pj and chris guard bogdanovich and herder Giannis on collins and lopez on capella like that just to me i just feel so comfortable with every single one of those matchups for milwaukee and i just think you feel and, comfortable and, with pj on herder yeah definitely do you not he guarded. It's, he checked KD. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. I mean, I mean those are very, KD, very. I feel okay with them very different players. Yeah, I, KD's better. Yes, but KD is more of a standstill guy. I mean, he was driving a lot. I thought, especially later. I know, series. but when he catches the ball, he just like sizes up, and you need, don't need to worry about constant motion. I'm not I suppose. Like Herder is going to be running around all over the place. That's why I want Chris on Herder and PJ on Bogdanovich. That's the thing. Like, they're both going to do that. I think Herder does it more, but I could. I haven't watched a ton of Hawks tape. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. I, I think know. PJ. We'll see. Know. We'll see. It's Bogdanovich again. He's going to be limited, so we'll probably. like. I doubt he's going to be running around that much. Like you're right. Probably Herder's going to be take on more of that role. So who would you? So if it's Portis, where would you put Portis? Would you That's put Giannis on? Would you put Giannis on one of the wings? And then I don't know if 
like Giannis on Herder and Portis on Collins. Oh, I don't know if I like that that much either. Yeah, that's fair, honestly. So that's why Maybe I think PJ it's like, is the way to go. PJ, Pat, or Forbes. I mean, you could try Forbes and just again, it'd be like you'd basically be daring Atlanta and Bogdan himself to prove that he's ready to exploit a matchup, which he didn't look great in game seven. He did he sat for the most of the end of the game, if I recall correctly. Um so I, I do think that's probably where you put the defender you feel the weakest about hanging out, hanging with these options. The other thing too, is like you could always, if you felt better about Giannis on Herder slash Bogdanovich, you could try that and then put like PJ on one of Collins or Capella, probably Collins. I think that's fine. I don't feel terrible about that. Like if they want to try and post up John Collins on PJ all day, I think you almost, you almost welcome that because you're going to have Brooke in the vicinity to help. Because it's going to be the Carl Anthony Towns against DeMarcus Cousins. That too. Also that. Also that. I don't think he's going to move him that much. But like Brooke is going to be able to help as long as Capella's out there. And Giannis will probably find himself helping, even if he shouldn't, knowing the way Giannis defends uh, as a help defender a lot of the time. So I, I do wonder how much we see of that. I mean, it's, I think, funny to say, like, oh, the Bucks don't always adjust and do these crazy things. But like, their, their game one alignment against Brooklyn was Giannis on Kyrie. So I don't think we should assume that Giannis will always guard Collins if the Bucks start one of PJ or Portis. Yeah, and they moved to Giannis at, on Harden. Like, yeah. these things happen. Yeah, so it, I, I almost wonder if that's going to be the play, if it's PJ or, or unlikely or Portis. I don't think you could stick Forbes on Capella this is where you, Collins. This is where you really miss Dante. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, so, it's so obvious if Dante is playing. Like, it's very seamless. Get well soon, Get well soon. Should we question mark? Not starting. I think he'll play a little Elijah bit. Elijah Bryant? Four minutes. Pat is the guy we have to consider. Yeah. I think, honestly, Pat starting and putting him on Bogdanovich would work pretty well, given that Bogdanovich See, is See, that's 100%. the thing. You mentioned that fourth quarter uh, in the third Atlanta matchup. Guess who was on Bogdanovich? Pat. Pat Connison. Yeah, yeah. So maybe that's not the best idea. Yeah, that's why I'm sort of leaning away from that because Pat, as good as he's played, especially in Brooklyn, like he had some monster games. He still has his deficiencies defensively. Yeah. yeah. You can, you can like size him up, size him down. It's five. Like he is versatile on the defensive end, but if you're just talking about sticking with a guy, it's not his strong suit. Yeah. Almost, he might even be better on like aligning with bench players. Like, I almost wonder if he's better going to, he would be better guarding Gallinari than. A Bogdanovich or someone like that. I would not put Pat on Gallinari. <laughs> Why not? Because Gallinari's just going to post him up and take like, fadeaway. But isn't, isn't that what you want, though? Yes. A Gallo fadeaway no, versus no, you... Pat losing Bogdanovich around a screen or something? I feel like a Gallinari post-up is more efficient. Than a Bogdanovich catch-and-shoot three? Okay, maybe not. Maybe yeah, not that. That's that's a tough number, man. Post-ups are not that efficient. That's what I mean. Like, if you can go to guy into posting up in general, unless it's like an Embiid or Jokic type player, it's usually a good move unless it's a wild mismatch. Fair, fair. But like, I don't know. Gallo's still a very, very capable offensive player. Yeah, he is. I mean, he is shooting 41% from the field, but 39% from deep in these playoffs uh, so far. So Kind of a mix. It's it's a weird roster for Atlanta, and that's why we're like going around in circles trying to figure out who should start and who should not. 
because I it feels like their starters should be their or their bench players should be their starters, but they're not. Yeah, like the Gallo, Lou Williams, Okongu, Tony Snell. We might see some Tony Snell. Tony, Tony Snell, Snell revenge, revenge series. We're, everyone's talking about Milwaukee and Mike Budenholzer's revenge series. No, it's the Tony Snell revenge. He's gonna he's got to put up a memorial, all zeros, eleven minutes played game in honor of his uh, his past work with the Bucks. I think that would be. I think in honor of his post past uh, past postseason work with Milwaukee, he just shouldn't play. <laughs> that also might happen. Uh, although the Hawks are pretty banged up without um, Hunter and Reddish, Cam Reddish uh, and DeAndre Hunter for a while. We don't. I think Hunter don't is really out know. for the postseason confirmed. Oh, okay, uh, he had surgery on his torn meniscus. That's right. Uh, get well soon. And Cam Reddish is rehabbing from an Achilles injury, and there's no real timetable. So kind of he the could return situation? I'm not sure. I'm not sure. But, like, he's ramping up practice. It says there was a non-surgical procedure done, which is just confusing. Just, like, uh, massaged it or what? I have no idea, honestly. Like, this might – did. I don't know if any Philly medical staff traveled to Atlanta or something. Like, I don't know what's going on there. But apparently he is ramping up practice a little bit, but there is no major news on Cam Reddish. I can't believe this team started Solomon Hill in three playoff games. I think they might have to do it. To do what? Size. He's not that big. But like it, he's bigger than some of the guys they are starting. See, this is this is the thing, and this is why I'm almost thinking it, it might be better to start PJ. Is I think sometimes there's just a desire to like fit a certain idea of a lineup or idea of skills that you go f- away from like your better players. I think that's something that Milwaukee thankfully didn't do late in the Brooklyn series because we all saw how great Giannis at the five was, but the Bucks like Brooke Lopez was just way too good to not play him. And I think at a certain level, Bud was like, listen, PJ Giannis Brook is not an ideal front court for most most reasons, but we can't just not play Brook. Like if we're gonna sit Brook for a long time, we're playing someone who's not gonna help the team as much. So that's what we have to do. I think anytime you're arguing why Solomon Hill should play over Herder or whoever it is, I think you're you're losing the plot on what is actually helpful. The guy has scored 1.3 points per game in 10 minutes per game shooting 23-23-50 splits right now. It's not good. If he Every every minute he plays, the Bucs need to win that minute by a lot. Because, again, like, what size? What is he guarding Giannis? It's it's similar to the Dwayne Dedman situation. It, it's in, more, it's worse than that. Dwayne Dedman was, is a real NBA. Solomon Hill is like, come on. Solomon Grundy, I think, could give you more production <laughs> from the bench. Like, Solomon Hill, what, 23, 23, 50 in 10 games or uh, nine games, 10 minutes per game? I don't know, man. Like, that's the thing. And and I think, I, I guess let's do our final verdict on who we think is going to start for the Bucks, And we can talk a little bit about for the Hawks as well. Um, but I think it's actually going to be PJ because I think the Bucks saw, like, the benefit of not, just not giving yourself a weak link on defense to start and end the game. And I think it worked against Brooklyn. And I think the fact that they stuck with it, even after Brooklyn started to lose stars kind of shows you that. And I guess they kind of had to stick with it. Cause obviously PJ was the starter in question. They used him on Durant so much, but 
I do think like that lineup just showed you some things and showed you that they could play defense well enough that even if the offense suffers, it doesn't hurt you that much. And I do think the Bucs want to continue winning games off defense. So I'm going to go with PJ to start uh, and just try to figure out how you can use those great defenders to stymie the Hawks offense. Yeah, I think you might have convinced me here. I think it has to be PJ. Bobby will definitely have a role in this I think series. Bobby and Forbes both will play more than they played in the last series. I think you can use them more against this team, but I also don't think that means they have to start or close games for sure. Yes, this is just what happens when you go against a team who's elite at the guard position and not at the yeah. alien position. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, not guarding. You know, that's a fun thing to think about. It's the Bucks won't see anyone as threatening as they did in the last series who they beat already. Like it's a comforting thing to think about. Like I do think part of the reason that Forbes and eventually Portis just didn't play is sure. Brooklyn has a lot of weapons in general, but I mean, those guys stopped playing after Ky- really, I mean, Forbes played, but just barely after Kyrie was out and after Harden was a shell of himself. Like I think it was mostly just KD. The Bucks were like, we're not going to ever let, Forbes or Portis beyond KD. And as much as I think that Portis should have been given a shot in some of the Pat minutes, although Pat played very well in in game seven, of course, but like, I get it, especially with Forbes, like that is just such a horrible, horrible mismatch that I do understand. And although there's still going to be mismatches in this series, you know, at least Forbes is like the same size. It's not as threatening. No one is as threatening on the Hawks is Kevin Durant. Like that's not a slight to the Hawks. Like we no. already talked about it on the last pod. Like Katie's the best player on the planet. Yeah. Like, he has been this whole playoff run. That's for damn sure. It's just, there's, there's no one as threatening as him. No, it's just, the, it's just a fact. No. And that's why, yeah, I think certainly the Forbes importers should play more, should give that bench punch that they did in the Miami series. Again, I don't think that means you start him though. I do like relying on the defense because that, the end of the day, that's what got them through the Brooklyn series. I think that teams have identities, and I think the Bucks has a great defensive team. That's a good identity to to rest your head on. Isn't it funny that they're going? It's this is a really dichotomous matchup because it's like a defense first team versus an offense first team. Yeah, sort of like a battle of the wills versus almost an offense only team. I mean, my my first question I wrote down about this was who guards Giannis. And the second question I wrote down was, who guards anybody? <laughs> like, this is not a team. I mean, Clint Capella is a really good defender. I think he's he's going to be very important, and we'll talk about him. But, like, who else? Let's start at the top. Let's start with Drew. He has not been, again, he hasn't been his best offense. Wait, 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 quickly, quickly. Okay. Who do we think Atlanta starts? I think they roll with her. Oh, yeah. Because it worked. Yeah, they, they kind of have to go with that. I, I think that's going to – I mean, Solomon Hill – oh, my God. Solomon Hill played five minutes in that game seven. He honored his teammate. He did the Tony Snell. Nothing. Five full minutes. Nothing. Five okay. – is that five trillion? Is that what they call it? Yep. Yeah. He. That's an impressive one. Five Exactly five minutes, according to B-Ball Ref. Um, but, yeah, I think it's Herder as well. So, we're rolling with, for now, I think we're more confident in Atlanta's group, but – Trey Young, Kevin Herter, Bogdan Bogdanovich, John Collins, Clint Capella, and the Bucks side is Drew Holiday, Chris Middleton, PJ Tucker, Giannis, and Brooke Lopez. Yes. Okay. Now let's start at the top. Drew Holiday yes. again sucked offensively so far, to put it lightly. Yes. Just not great. He did come up clutch in that fourth quarter, of Game Seven. Also, I just I cannot believe that Game Seven even happened. Are you still recovering from that? 
I yeah, am. I just I, I like the the pod tweet from the Eurostep account today on on Monday was like it wasn't a hallucination. It really happened. I worded the tweet because I have to keep reminding myself that that really it feels like one of those yeah. things that like. Remember when I had I thought I had a fever dream that the Bucks signed somebody to a camp contract and it, it like thought it was Stoss Kiss but it was somebody else or whatever like it feels like that and I'm like that's not there's no way that actually happened right? no it was like, Mario Hazonia Hazonia <laughs> and I thought it was Stoss Kiss or whatever the hell it was no 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 they signed Nick Stoss Kiss to a camp deal thought you Hizonia. thought it was Hazonia okay. sure a huge difference made if it was one or the other but um, but yeah it was like that though where I'm thinking back like. They really signed Hazonia? Did they really beat KD in Brooklyn in Game Seven? Like, what a what a series! Go listen to the last yeah. pod if you haven't already. It's our most listened podcast by a mile. And if you're new, thank you for uh, for tuning in for the first or probably second time. Please subscribe. Hopefully, it's and, not the last. Yeah, yeah, hang around. We have more good content to come as this Bucks run continues. And, after, and just in general, yeah, yeah. No matter no matter how it ends, we're going to keep bringing the content. But for sure, Drew, yeah, but Drew yeah. Holiday not great on offense again. Not great. Uh. He should be able to get into a rhythm in the series, considering that the guy who's going to be on him is Trey Young. But do we potentially? Think so? Yeah, potentially. I think you kind of have to. Yeah, I the, mean, the size Mitch mismatch wow between uh, PJ Tucker and Trey is just like you're going to get a layup every single possession. Like you don't have to work for it. Like he can, he doesn't even have, he, he won't see Trey Young if he's just looking straight on. You just, you just put up a layup. Like there's nothing you can do about that. You have to put Trey Young on Drew Holiday, realistically, unless you want to put him on Chris. No, I, I, I really think like they might try on PJ. I mean, they'll try it for sure. And the Bucks, like if they do that, they have to take advantage of it. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but, I mean, they, 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 that's when, and I do think, you know, PJ's comments from the last series were basically like, you get what you get on offense when I'm guarding Kevin Durant. He doesn't have to guard Kevin Durant anymore. So I yeah. think it's a pretty fair trade off. I think if you're going to involve PJ in more actions and, and whatever, I guess picking pops, I could see him doing that a little bit, maybe. I guess we'll see exactly how they want to use it. Um, yeah. It's just, weird. We haven't really seen PJ as a screener that much in his time in no, Milwaukee at like, all. He's he literally, literally just been planted, planted in the corner. I think that's by design. He's like, listen, I'm not trying to do all that. Like, I'm, I'm using a lot of energy on the other end, guys. I also think, uh, like, if he's in corner and then maybe like fading to dunker spot on some possessions, because that's where we've seen him make a huge impact on the offensive glass against a much bigger Nets team. If Trey is his cover and Trey is the nearest guy, like he's going to have a lot of rebound opportunities if he's around the glass on Bucks misses. And I think that even if you even if you put him in the corner, he can literally just shoot over. It yeah. doesn't matter. Yeah, I do think I do want to see him do a little bit more if they do stick Trey on him. Though you have to make Trey work, even if he just sets a half-hearted screen and pop. Like at least get Trey in these actions. Like he doesn't even have to like set a hard screen or anything. He just has to stand there. Like, I don't think everyone's fully understanding the size discrepancy between these two players. <laughs> like, my goodness. Like, what is Trey Young? 6'1, 180? And you, you go against 250 PJ Tucker? Like, are you kidding me? Yeah. I PJ mean, Tucker could eat Trey Young. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, when you put it that way. Um, yeah, I, I, it's going to be fascinating, but assuming that Trey does start on Drew. Yes. Drew just has to 
You have to. It's it's put up or shut up time for Drew Holiday. Realistically, I want to see so little three pointers. Uh, if that's every single time, whether Trey starts on Drew or they work to get Trey on Drew, like like almost zero. Just because you, you the threes are going to be there. Trey is not going to lock you up from at, at the at the line, but the shots at the rim are going to be there too. And I think you know, hopefully, Drew draws some confidence from the end of Game Seven. Hopefully the confidence drawn is not some threes fell. I need to keep shooting threes. No, like get to the basket. I think that was my thing last series against Brooklyn. And when the Bucs did it, they won games. I think that's going to be against Atlanta too. I, I think the Bucs shooters, there's going to be more, more opportunity just to play shooters. But I do think getting to the rim, whoever's Trey is guarding should be trying to go to the rim every time. If nothing else, get some fouls on the guy. Yeah, for sure. We also need to take into account, like, we just made the same argument for P.J. Tucker. Like, Drew Holiday is going to be tasked with a lot on the defensive end, more than he yeah. was in the Brooklyn series. Eh, well, at times he was guarding Kevin Durant, so yeah, we'll see. But the majority of the time he was on, like, a hobbled James Harden. Yeah, I mean, listen, Drew Holiday doesn't make P.J. Tucker money and doesn't play a P.J. Tucker role. Like, when That's you're, fair, but he's when, still a human being. <laughs> yeah, but when you're when you're brought in as a role player to specifically basically do one thing, it's different expectations. I mean, a two-way point guard is expected to play both ways. Fair, fair. I, he doesn't need to score 30, but he needs to take Trey Young to the paint repeatedly. Like, it just has to happen in this series. Uh, he needs to go – like, this is the perfect matchup for him to replicate his series that he had against the Blazers. Yeah, against because Damon CJ. It, yeah, yeah, because in the Miami series, there wasn't that sort of angle for him. Definitely not against Brooklyn as soon as Kyrie and Harden went down. This is the time. If you're going to say, like, oh, that's me, this is the series to do it. And you've had – you have plenty – Plenty of positive regression headed your way if you actually, you know, are able to let it happen. But yeah, it just defensively for Atlanta, it just starts with Trey Young. You have to hunt Trey Young every single possession. And even going off of that, like who's guarding Chris Middleton? Bogdan? That's the question. Bogdan on a bad knee or Herder? Herder's probably their best option, realistically. Is he six? Six or six seven? I think he's six seven. But uh, I can like, check really quick. Is he not like? Does he not have a fairly similar body type to Duncan Robinson? Who? Yeah, he's six like, seven. Is Duncan Robinson he's not six, also six seven? Uh, I think he is. I think they're like physically. Yeah, they're all very six, similar and players. Like, like uh, Kevin Herter is like. 20 pounds lighter than uh, like Duncan Robinson. As we well. saw how Chris approached Duncan Robinson in that series. Like, oh, you're covering me. I am going to shoot threes directly in your eyeball or post you up and take you to the rack and shoot open jumpers when I fade away over the top of you every single time. Like, you can be roughly Chris's height and still not really be able to do anything about Chris's mid-range game and, and back you can to the You be taller than game. Chris. Yeah, I mean, I, I just I, – I don't think – I think whichever of those two guys takes on Chris, like he might end up being, well, I guess not. He might end up being the most important buck offensively just because they don't, the Hawks don't really have anyone who you look at and go like, oh, this player is going to hamper Chris's ability to play. And we all know Chris's game. Like, let me get back to the basket and back you down and fade away over either shoulder. Let me shoot a three in your eyeball, drive once a year. Like, what defender on the Hawks is going to be able to do to stop Chris Middleton from doing those things very comfortably. Like, 
as important as, as Drew is, and I think he does need to take advantage of Trey Young whenever possible, Chris should have comfortable shots pretty much all day. For sure. Like, we'll get to it. This entire team should. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I think, you know, it helps. Like, we've we've all seen the splits by now of Chris Middleton being so much more effective at home. The Bucks have home court advantage again in the playoffs, thanks to they do. the process failing. Not for the rest of the playoffs, just for this series. They won't in the finals. But still... And he, you take everything you can get. The Bucks, if some, if a lot of things go wrong and this series goes long, at the end of the day, the Bucks just have to win home games, uh, and they'll be able to to hold on and go to the finals. So a comforting thought, even as we look at some of the tough matchups for Milwaukee. But as we're talking about, Atlanta has plenty of hard ones too. Basically, no matter who the Bucks start as the fifth guy, there's only going to be one like safe place to hide someone because you know you, you could argue Brook Lopez and teams have used Brook as that before. But the Hawks are going to play Capella. They have to play Capella. We'll get into Capella specifically. Capella has to guard Lopez or Giannis, um, one or the other. And then Collins is obviously going to start as well. So he's going to be on the other Bucks big, you'd have to assume. So, like, I don't think there's really any chance that Trey ends up guarding Lopez because then you have to put Collins on one of, like, Chris or Drew or something, and that's not very good at all. Like, and also, you're putting Trey Young on Brook Lopez. Like, yeah, my goodness, I mean, do I something. Would, I think the Bucks would get to the post pretty quickly. Uh, if, if PJ if Tucker can eat Trey Young, Brook Lopez could eat like three. <laughs> Gonna have seconds and thirds. Um, and I think one positive note, as I'm trying to pull up the data here, and it's not a, not doing it quickly, but I, I do think a lot of Drew Holiday's difficulties. A lot of it, like, sure, he didn't play that well by his standards. I think a lot of it was just his, none of his threes fell and he kept taking threes. Like his two point percentage, I believe was not ludicrously lower than usual against uh, Brooklyn. Um, I, again, I, I haven't been able to pull up just two point percentage at this point. Cause everyone just wants to show you field goal in three, which, you know, we've talked about this before, but the woke 50, 40, 90 use two point percentage. It's more illuminating field goal percentage. Doesn't make sense anymore. Players take too many threes. I digress. Um, but so that's a positive thing for Drew. He should be able to continue to score at the basket at a high rate, maybe even higher if Trey does end up being the guy. But so we talked about hiding someone on PJ. We talked about who's going to guard Chris. No good options. I mean, honestly, when healthy, Bogdan is probably a better option than Herder, but yeah. neither are good. I don't feel good They're about They're probably going to stick Bogdan on PJ or PJ. the fifth starter. Yeah. Because he's just like, like Bogdan is he's smaller than Herder, but he's like a better defender by yeah. just the uh, just reputation, I guess, and also play. But uh, Bogdan, it's just you have to see how he feels on that knee. Yeah, because he's just like like you mentioned, he wasn't playing near the end of that game seven against Philly. Like, it's just it's going to be tough. You have to see how he feels coming into the series and do it based on that. I think they're going to stick him on PJ just so they don't have to run him around so so much. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, which, so that leaves harder for Middleton, like we well, just talked about. The flip side of that is that means you get Trey on one of your good, very good offensive players, which is obviously a, a win for the Bucks. Uh, and again, they just need to, we're going to say it a million times every single post game. I'm sure we'll say they could do it more, but got to exploit that matchup wherever. Weaponize it your size. Weaponize your size. So let's talk about size. Let's talk about Giannis. And but before we get, oh yeah, let's talk about their best player. <laughs> yeah, every every single pod. Um, 
I said Pat Connaughton last. <laughs> that was so funny. We haven't talked about someone yet that we should, Rohan. Who is it? Pat? No, Giannis. Uh, it was a great pod. But the Hawks, tiny. No one, and this is all just listed data, which this is supposed to be accurate now. I'm not sure if B-Ball Ref has updated everything. I'm pulling from B-Ball Ref. But no one listed taller than 6'10". Only three guys who are actually going to play listed taller than 6'8". And that is Collins, um, uh, Capella, and I forget who the third guy might be. Is it just two? No, I thought yeah. there was a third one. Hold on. Nope. Oh, Gallo. Oh, uh, okay. Gallo's listed saying, as 6'10". Okay, in the rotation. Gotcha. No, Gallo's listed as 6'10". So the three guys taller than 6'8", who actually play, are John Collins, Clint Capella, and Danilo Gallinari. So even their big guys, like Capella's a good defender. The other two, not Very so much. Good Very, Very good defender. Very good defender. Um, I think he got DPOI votes, or he should have, or whatever, but... Um, the other two guys though, not so much Gallo and, and John Collins, not exactly known as defensive stalwarts. So the Hawks have literally one guy who is both a big and B a good defender for that size. So I think that is really like going to be huge in this series. You know, we ask questions, can Lopez stay on the floor against Brooklyn? He was able to, I think he certainly needs to stay on the floor against Atlanta. And I think this is somewhere where the Bucks can continue to punish the opposition is like the glass and rebounding and the individual task with guarding Giannis, who certainly is going to be smaller than Giannis by default because they don't have any options who are bigger than Giannis. Yeah, for sure. Like Brooke Lopez, what he's struggled with theoretically, I'll say, struggled with in uh, past postseason matchups, which by the way, that should, that narrative needs to be eliminated immediately. They usually immediately. win his minutes. Yeah. When has he ever gotten played off the floor in the playoffs as a member of the Milwaukee Bucks? He hasn't. No. And He's even more, if he's more adaptable than people think. Yes. And if they do take him off the floor, it's because Giannis the five is just broken. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 100%. It's it's not his fault. He's not, it's not a detriment to Brooke. Like it's just like, oh, they can do something else too. Brooke has been incredible as a playoff performer, just time and time again. That narrative needs to end immediately. No, totally yes. agree. Totally agree. Brooke Lopez, the situations where he might face trouble but hasn't is with like, oh, a stretch big that you can just pick and pop with. Clint Capella is not a pick and pop big. That's putting it nicely. Uh, like, great defender, Clint Capella. Offensively, you have to worry about vertical spacing, realistically. Yeah. Like... He's, he's smaller than Brooke. <laughs> he is scoring 10 points per game this postseason on incredible efficiency, nearly 61%. He literally, like, he finishes pick and rolls at the rim that are open. Like, that's that's the, the Clint Capella shot diet. Zero attempted threes. Um, also, quietly, and this is something that could end up mattering a little bit, awful from free throw this postseason. 44% from free throw is Clint Capella. And weirdly, Bogdan Bogdanovich, 55.6%, but he's barely taken any. So that might just be a sample size. Like, you know, the line less than one time a game. Like, the Hawks really, outside of Trey, don't get to the free throw line very often. The next most per game is Gallo at 3.1. Hunter's at 3.2, but he's not going to play anymore. So 
that's uh, an interesting thing too. So most of the guys the Bucks send to the line, they should feel good about those guys going to the line, especially Capella and Bogdanovich. But yeah, the offensive game for him is like, it's the Clippers' DeAndre Jordan, like lobs, open pick and rolls, some cleanups, like that kind of thing. Yeah, like if Clint Capella is taking like turnaround hooks or like you feel good jumpers, you feel you're, really you're, good. You're, you're fine. Like yeah. you, that's a, that's a win for Milwaukee. So you don't have to worry about Brooke being played off the floor in these situations, realistically, or hampered. I'll say that. So now we get into who defends Giannis. And that's where Capella fits in because Capella will be the guy who defends Giannis. And he's actually done a pretty decent job at it in years past and especially this season. Again, according to this wonky NBA tracking data, or can be wonky NBA tracking data, Clint Capella has, when he's Giannis' primary defender, Giannis is four of 13 from the field and drawn one foul. Like, that's not great. That's probably the best that any player can realistically do against Giannis. So Clint Capella is going to be really, really important for Atlanta. Yeah. So here's a stat. This is just not just primary matchup, but just whenever Capella was on the floor. So Giannis versus the Hawks with Capella on 10 for 14 in the restricted area, which is quite good. It's like 70%. But as you're, as you pointed out with your tracking data, a lot of those shots are coming when he's able to get loose from Capella for whatever reason. He's not necessarily just like going through him every single time, but still he's able to get to the rim and and finish shots at a higher rate, even for him. It's nothing though, compared to what he's done in the restricted area when Capella hasn't played this season, Giannis versus the Hawks with Capella off 12 for 12 in the restricted area. Nobody else has played has been able to offer resistance. Like when Giannis has gotten to the paint with Capella off the floor, he's literally scored like, Every single time. So he's good. He can finish against Capella when he's on the court, at least. When he, Capella's off, like in, in any minutes when Giannis is on and Capella's off, you've got to just be working to get him to the paint as quickly as possible because the next up center, their, their only other center who really plays, is uh, Onyeka Okongwu, a rookie who is listed at 6'8, uh, a good defensive player. There's not many 6'8 defensive players who are going to hang with Giannis, especially rookies. That And I know the tracking data isn't great for Giannis there, but still the the overall Giannis statistics against the Hawks without Capella leads you to believe that anybody else is out there. He's feeling exceptionally comfortable at the room. Yeah, and especially like their other big guy is Gallinari. Again, just not a defender. No, not at all. Not even in the slightest. Like, this is what I was talking about. This team is like, we're going to outscore you. That's that's their game plan. Like, because they're not going to offer any resistance to any of Milwaukee's players on the defensive end, realistically. Like, if you look at what Embiid did against the Hawks, like, my goodness. Joel Embiid on a torn meniscus just absolutely torched them. It's just like any sort of size against Atlanta just doesn't work. It just doesn't. Like, what what are these points that he's putting up in in this Atlanta series? 39, 40, 27, 17, and that's because he went four for 20 from the field. 37, 22, 31. This is on inefficient shooting. With Ben Simmons on the court next to him. With bad spacing, with Ben Simmons. Yeah, those two are the same thing. (laughs) Um, And just... 
that's just it. It's just like size versus Atlanta, and he just could do whatever he wanted. And this is the Bucks. Yeah, not like the beat. size is their. This thing. isn't Philly. This is Milwaukee. This is a real team. Do you know who's second on the Hawks and blocks? Capella's obviously first, and in the playoffs, in the playoffs. Ooh, um, ooh, this is fun. I don't know the answer to this. I'm gonna guess Solomon Hill, Kevin Herter. Oh my god, <laughs> he actually somehow has 11 blocks, which is more than any buck besides Yana or besides Lopez. It's ridiculous how many blocks he has. But nobody else has more than nine. Uh, Collins and Okongu both have nine. Then Bogdanovich, four. Gallo and Hunter, three. And then Solomon Hill and Tony Snell both have one. Um, so, yeah, just outside of Kevin Herter somehow, not a ton of blocked shots for Atlanta thus far. Um, yeah, it's going to be – like this just has to be another series where Giannis just goes off. And I know outside of game two, like he was quite good against Brooklyn the whole time. But like – Outside of, I guess this isn't fair, but I was going to say outside of Capella, does anyone on the Hawks, is that, would anyone on the Hawks be better than Blake? But I guess Blake was the only really guy that Brooklyn had either. So, Yeah, realistically. It's just like, are the Bucks going to beat themselves in yeah. this series? Yeah, like they're, like, I think you should just try to put whoever Trey is guarding in a pick and roll with Giannis every time. Yeah, you just had, like I said earlier, you have to treat it like it's the Miami series again, because they're the more I think about it and the more we talk about it, they play in similar fashions. Like Trey Young is against Milwaukee's defense is going to eat on floaters. Yeah, like that's what killed Miami or excuse me, Milwaukee against Miami last season in the bubble. Mickey Mouse clubhouse, by the way, uh, just floaters. Floaters killed them. That didn't happen this series against Miami like two years ago, whatever, whatever it feels like now. Uh, is the same going to hold for this team? Like, is Brooke going to do what he did against Miami and show higher, take away that floater, force him to drive? Like, is that going to happen? We'll see. Are they, is Milwaukee actually going to adjust to this? They would just like go back to what they did against Brooklyn or are they going to fall back on that Miami game plan that really, really made them look dominant? That's the question. Yeah, no, it's going to be fascinating. I think there, there are certainly Milwaukee's favored in the series by a lot, and they should to win be the championship now. Yes, they should be realistically. Yeah, it's just a matter of are they going to beat themselves? Because they're yeah. the only, they're the toughest challenge left. That's meta, but I don't disagree with you at all. I do think that there's opportunities here, and also just to close out this conversation, I think Capella is going to be on Giannis. I think. This is one where the regular season numbers are one thing. I do think this is going to be quite the challenge for Clint Capella. And I think it's going to be, it's not at all like guarding Embiid, right? Like guarding Embiid, you pretty much, I mean, you have to go out to three now a little bit, but you're pretty much just setting up in the post and like fighting like hell and trying to stop him from, from doing that. Like Giannis is going to stretch your range a lot more as a defender. Like, you're going to have to check him. If, if you just sit in the paint for him, that's when you just have to start screening for – screen whoever Trey is guarding. Honestly, like put, put Trey through Giannis screens and make him stay with his man around. That's why – like if it's Forbes, I think that – like the Giannis handoff to Forbes would just eat against this team. So I hope we see that sometimes. But um, I, I think Collins uh, – Capella won't just leave him. I think he will try to hang with him. And it's just like – it's such a vertical challenge 
over and over and over again for a big man to hang with Giannis over the course of a series. Like I think there's a reason we've seen the Jay Crowders and like Blake Griffins of the world who technically now plays center, but clearly is built more like a power forward. Like it's usually easier for those guys than centers. I think with the way Giannis moves laterally now and with the playmaking he's added to his game. So I do think it's going to be harder for Capella than it was at any point in the regular season. Yeah. Yeah. If, if we've learned anything from this season, this postseason, is that it really is a different game in the yeah. playoffs. It really is. And Milwaukee is Milwaukee's showing that in more ways than one. We've seen a lot of the negative, unfortunately. Uh, mostly just in the Brooklyn series. That Miami series was fun. Uh, <laughs> but we know how much they can really adapt to the situation at hand for the better. I'll say yeah. that. Yeah. So this is a different game. Capella is going to have trouble. Collins is going to have a lot of trouble. I was going to say, Lopez. we should talk about John Collins having to defend Brooke Lopez. So John Collins, six foot nine, I think. He's got some size. I mean, he's a legit stretch four, but Brooke is a very legitimate five. It's going to be fascinating to see if that is how they start or if they try to start Collins on Giannis. I think would be That'd be a poor decision yeah, that would considering be every single time that uh, – Giannis has been guarded by John Collins. It's ended very well for the Milwaukee Bucks. He has the numbers. Uh, yeah, this season Giannis is seven of eight from the field, three shooting fouls. Yeah, it's so just, it's it's easy. It's very meet. easy. He's seeing yes. meat against Collins. Um, also, respect to John Collins though, showing up to the press conference wearing a shirt of him dunking on Embiid. Like my goodness. That's fine. The Hawks have become a playoff villain, and they're they're loving that role. They would love to spoil another. It's cute. Team that should beat them. It is cute. Um, it's gonna. They'll have a lot of time to work on it in Cancun after this series. But yeah, Collins on Lopez. I think a lot of people are gonna ask just to post Brooke up a lot, and I think post him up sometimes. But I just, for me, it just screams pick and roll. Like I think anytime you get a bad bigger defender. Like, don't just let them be. It's like Harden. Like, Harden, oh, Harden's now a good defender because he's good in the post. No, he's just big, and he can stand still. And if you post him up, he doesn't have to do he's anything. Thick. Except be thick and stand still. Like, put Collins in a bunch of pick and rolls, too. Like, again, get guys moving. And then it's honestly what you could do if you really wanted to be. Ah, it probably wouldn't work. But I was going to say, like, if Giannis is kind of on the other end of the court and you're putting Collins in pick and roll on the other side of the floor, like, it's almost like the old Kawhi salation. Do you remember this when Kawhi was yes. still on the Spurs? I think Matt Moore at HP mm-hmm. Basketball came up with the term. Like they would just move whoever Kawhi was Kawhi was guarding. Like the other team would just put him like on the weak side away from the action and just like have him sit there so Kawhi couldn't ruin the offense of the other four guys and play four on four to have success against the Spurs. You could almost try to do that with Capella if he's going to be on Giannis. Like put Giannis on the other end of the floor a little bit and just dare him to help off and let Giannis get to the rim with no one around. Like, I think there's some, some real potential there and like get to the corner and run a pick and roll with Lopez and, and Drew or Chris and have Capella just away from the play. Cause at that point, two of the other four guys, like good luck guarding Brooke Lopez and one of your two best perimeter players. Yeah. It's not looking good for Atlanta here. They should not be able to defend the Bucs at all. And I know we said this about Brooklyn, but I think in retrospect, the Nets had better defenders, at least for the Bucs personnel, than Atlanta does. Yes, for sure. Brooklyn, like even... They didn't have the weak link. 
Yes. Yes. That's a great point there. And even at their most hobbled state, which we did see them, they're still better than Atlanta. Well, yeah, they have, again, <laughs> Kevin Durant, like the starting point is Kevin Durant who encapsulates two-way excellence and every, literally everything. Like not having to worry about that guy is going to make no, so many other things easier. Yeah, I agree. Like two-way play. Like that's what matters. That's what we're seeing now. Like, if you want to say like, oh, two-way play matters, why didn't they get off of the why did they get past the Knicks and why did they get past the Sixers? Those were one-way teams. The Knicks had no defense and the Sixers had no offense. Yeah. yeah. They just they couldn't score and the Knicks couldn't defend. The Bucs can score and defend. That's yeah. what sets them apart. It does remind me of the Miami series in that way of just like the Hawks do not have many players who are very dangerous on both ends. No, they don't. Like not not anymore. They don't have one. Yeah, I, like is Bogdanovich the closest? I think he leads them in steals this postseason. I know he's, he's going to be closest hobbled. to a two way player, and it's Bogdan Bogdanovich. Yeah, like obviously not Trey Herder. I don't think so. Um, Collins definitely not. He's going to block a shot here and there, but not a great defender. And then. Capella is like so far the other way. He doesn't have no bag, no bag, so to speak. Uh, don't don't incite those words. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I think uh, I think we can make serious predictions now. And I think uh, unless you had something else on the defense end, no, I team. don't think so. I mean, I just think I do think you know more. The more I think about it, I do think you start with PJ Forbes might be worth a look though, just because I think. If they do try to hide Trey on him, I think you just run him off Giannis dribble handoffs and pick and rolls like over and over and over. And maybe even like inverted pick and rolls. Like we haven't seen that as much from the Bucks, despite Giannis's excellent ball handler uh, efficiency numbers. But like we actually we have seen Forbes screen for him here and there. Like imagine Forbes screening for Giannis's man and Giannis comes around into Trey Young. <laughs> like that could be effective. Like I, there might be some room for Forbes to, to potentially start. It depends how the Hawks want to defend, but I want to see him or PJ. Uh, and I think we're going to see, I predicted before the postseason: bucks and five bucks and seven bucks and six bucks and six. So I'm just going to stick with bucks and six. Although I do have a feeling bucks and five is very much in play here. Yeah. My last thing, like, Bobby Portis, we mentioned this. He's going to see a role uh, yeah. in the series for sure. He did not play like at all in the latter half of that Brooklyn series. He's going to see increased minutes because you can afford to do that like against yeah. Atlanta, and he brings value. But yeah, yeah he's oh, going to see sure. an increased role. Uh, Bucks and four. Wow, Bucks and four. He says, "Wow, I did not realize how bad Trey Young's efficiency was this playoffs. It's not great." 33% from deep, 46% from two. He does have 125 assists in 12 games, literally 10.5 a game. Which yeah, is the thing nuts. is the Bucs don't need to help on Trey Young. Yeah, they, yeah, exactly. And, yeah, I just think their personnel is going to be – they have better point of attack defenders. Like Simmons, the yeah. one thing he does struggle with is small guards. Drew, not so much. So That's yeah, a strong suit, actually. <laughs> so I do think if you can just trust just envelops Drew, them. <laughs> the Bucks can't overhelp. And I think, thankfully, P.J. Tucker's on the roster, who's literally going in post-game press conferences and saying, don't help me on Kevin Durant. I think if he's going to say that about KD, I feel like the team will also feel that way about Drew Holiday on Trey Young. So 
I'm sure. just going to go with Bucks. Drew Holiday will say that. It. Not just yeah, <laughs> true. Bucks and four. You could convince me, but I don't think this Atlanta team is going to go out in a sweep. I, I, no, I think Bucks it's and five, five or four. Likely. It's five or four. I'm leaning four, though. Obviously, because I just said that, but it's. I don't know. I respect Atlanta a lot. Uh, yeah, I do too. That's why I'm not saying they're going to get swept. I don't respect them that much. <laughs> <laughs> that much. I, there is a level of respect, unlike I have with Philly or Utah. Yeah. Uh, my goodness. Listen, it's got nothing to do with the Well, I guess it kind of does because now the Suns get to waltz to the finals because they get to play the Clippers without Kawhi. But how on earth? Do you let Terrence Mann and Reggie Jackson dust you out of the playoffs? What? Yep. It's okay. They have Rudy Gobert for $47 million. They're defined. And and all I heard from Utah fans was these excuses. Oh, uh, the only point of attack defenders were Mitchell and Conley. They played. What? Like, uh, do you know who's a good point of attack defender? Kawhi Leonard. No excuses if Kawhi you know Leonard is who, out. You know who was like rivaling Kevin Durant for best player on the planet before Kawhi he got hurt? Leonard. Kawhi yeah. Leonard. Don't, don't give me any. Oh, our point of attack defense suffered because Donovan and Conley were hampered. Kawhi was out. Like, no, this is the playoffs. Like, step up. Rudy Gobert. Honestly, his de- the defensive jokes are funny. Their point of attack defense is awful and it's because their players just aren't good. But 12 points. In 40 minutes with Nick Batum as the other center? Are you kidding me? That's why. I want to talk no bag. That's why I don't trust them in the playoffs, man. If you can't score more than 12 points in 40 minutes with Nick Batum guarding you, like you're letting teams hurt you on the other end because you're just incapable. And that's like, I said this on the pod way back when, but like, wouldn't want him on the Bucks on Vetman. No role for the guy. Just no role. <laughs> what would he do? That's fair, honestly. You just take up space. I don't want him on the like court. Ben it's like no, no bag, Rudy. No thanks. Oof. Oof. We've somehow managed to slander a lot of teams. Well, <laughs> they should stop losing in the playoffs. That's true. Advice That's from time. Uh, maybe we shouldn't talk about this. <laughs> hey, listen, live in the moment. Let's, let's not count our chickens before they've hatched. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> this is me saving myself from future. Oh, I'm saving you from future slander. Yeah, I'm going to get it anyway. That's true. Um, but yeah, uh, this should, this will be a fun series. Uh, yeah. this will probably, this will be a less stressful series for sure. <laughs> you don't think so? I, I hope so. I still don't trust it's the Bucks be. that much. It's gotta be less stressful, right? I don't trust the Bucks enough to think it won't be stressful. That's for sure. Maybe less stressful. Yeah. It won't like, I don't know. That last playoff series felt like the finals. It did. And maybe I'll end up looking like it if then ah, I think the finals are going to be really hard no matter what. But yeah, this theoretically should be easier. It is an easier matchup. Even the Brooklyn that the Bucks got, this is still easier. But I'm not, it's playoff time. It's all business. I'm all business. I'm like Giannis after that dunk I talked about in the game seven pot. Like no mean mug, no celebration, just stone faced. Got four more wins to get before we're out of the East. Yeah, they got a. Did you see the inside the locker room celebration? They have like the number written on the corner of the whiteboard. Yeah. Just got to tick eight? that down. Yeah, just yeah. got to tick that number down. We got to go to seven, okay. then six, five, four, three, two, one, zero. That those are all the numbers left. Thank you. Yeah, uh, <laughs> for counting, counting with Ty here on the Eurostep. Um, but 
Yeah, those uh, those numbers are going to go down by four in four consecutive games. That's my prediction here. Uh, you're saying five? I'll six. stick with six because I tweeted it. I believe five, but I'll the Bucks no, six. the Bucks are never going to win in six. That's true. It's just you know not going to happen. Bucks in five. Bucks in five. Yeah, I'm doing it's my, not happening. I'm doing just my series prediction die. charity thing, so this is going to cost me a dollar if I'm right, but because I tweeted Bucks in six, but I'll go with Bucks in five. Before we wrap this up here, last time we, you and I spoke to. I, we did a review. We commented on a five-star review left on Apple. Let's do that again. Ty, what do you got? Yeah. So uh, <laughs> one of these I realized we're just going to have to hold off on one of these for the moment. But uh, Ham Tickler 4-5 reviewed us. Five stars, which is what we like to see. The headline, Solid Pod, which is like, okay, that's like that's fine. But... The review itself, I like. Refreshingly honest takes on current Bucks issues. Is that not how we bill ourselves? We're just here telling the truth about the Milwaukee Bucks and getting tomatoes thrown at us because of it. So although the headline was not inspiring, I thought the conciseness of the actual review was good. So we're going to shout out Ham Tickler 45 So if you want to get your review read on the pod, try to make it funny. Maybe a better subject line than... Ham Tickler four or five came up with, but uh, a solid know, pod. Solid pod is fine. That's it's fine. true. It's true. It's solid at worst. That's good. Uh, That's a, it's a floor, compliment. High floor podcast. Yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, leave a five star review on Apple Podcasts. Uh, take someone's device if if you don't have one or you don't use Apple, and drop that review, and you might get it read on the pod if it's that five stars. Yeah, for sure. Make sure you do that. Make sure you do it just in general because you like the pod. Make sure you tell all of your family and friends about the show. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Eurostep here on the Eurostep Podcast Network and the Blue Wire Podcast Network. Like I said earlier, make sure you are subscribed to the show so you can get all of the great content from us and from Adam and Jordan, who should have a mailbag that is posted soon. Make sure you stay safe, everyone. Go Bucks, and we will talk to you next time.